Well, hello, everyone. It's time for another edition of Crime Wave, the podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense authors and the stories behind their stories. Crime Wave is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Bonner Spring, and today I'm speaking with Wendell Thomas, author of, among other things, the Sid Redondo Mystery Series. Wendell teaches at the Graduate Film School at UCLA. She lectures internationally on screenwriting and has worked as an entertainment reporter, development executive, script consultant, and film and television writer. Her first Sid Redondo novel, Lost Luggage, was nominated for the Lefty and McCavity Awards for Best Debut Mystery. Her second, Drowned Under, was nominated for an Anthony for Best Paperback Original Mystery and a Lefty for Best Humorous Mystery. You get where I'm going. She's got a lot, a lot of really good creds here. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Fogged Off was a finalist for Best Humorous Mystery of 2021. And she's honored that her new book, Cheap Trills, which is what we're going to talk mainly about today, has just been nominated for a Best Humorous Mystery Lefty for 2023. Wendell's short fiction appears in the crime anthologies Ladies' Night, Last Resort, oh, Last Resort, Murder of Go-Go's, and Crime Under the Sun. I am delighted to welcome you to Crime Wave, Wendell Thomas. Hi, Bonner. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I hope we can please start with your background to an East Coaster like me, this whole screenwriting, script consulting, film and TV writer shtick sounds deliciously uh, mysterious and sexy. I mean, how did you get into TV and film? Um, you know, it's really funny because I'm an East Coaster myself and I uh, was in graduate school in at the University of North Carolina in the English program and I was doing my... Um, master's thesis on Sam Shepard, and they insisted on shoving me into the film department because they didn't know what to do with me, which was very funny. And so I wound up being a TA for the film criticism class, and I felt completely unqualified to do that. So I went to the graduate library, and I watched like one or two movies a day. I watched 400 movies in a year to kind of become qualified. And then I fell in love with movies. I mean, I'd always loved movies before, but I really fell in love with movies. So I left my program and and took my cat and my albums and drove to Los Angeles. And then I just started working. I worked in, I worked at MTM as a temp. I worked as temp all over town. I worked in TV development. I worked as a casting director on Young Guns. In fact, the most hilarious fact about me at the moment is that I'm on the um, 35th anniversary 4K version of Young Guns in the extras. There's an interview, I'm in interviewed, which is hilarious to me. So yeah, so I kind of stumbled into that stuff. And while I was doing that, I, started writing screenplays and then I eventually got an agent. And um, so, but it's been a very up and down, like every Hollywood thing is. And so I've been in work and out of work and I've taught and I've had strange jobs and I've written liner notes and worked for the Discovery Channel and wrote a &E biographies and I worked on Wishbone, which is hilarious. So yeah, so it's been a very um, checkered, I would say career, but I've been teaching at UCLA since um, 97. Wow. Um, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, I want to read the story that you write about your life as a take. I mean, seriously, got in my car and my cats and my albums and drove to California. That's the beginning. That's a, that's absolutely wonderful, Wendell. So would, would I be correct in guessing that 
novels came later on in your life? You said you got a, you know, I, I heard all the rest of it, but um, how did the novel writing come about? Well, I think I think I was always, I think I always wanted to write a novel of honor, but I was very, because I was in, I studied English. It was like, if it's not Henry James or Faulkner or Flannery and Connor, then I was, I don't even want to try. And so I didn't, but I started reading a lot of mysteries, I guess, went in my 40s. And so I had a script that was, um, it didn't sell. And I was very fond of it, which it was, it was called actually Animal Instincts, which was the original title of Lost Luggage. And I just, it stuck with me. And I felt like I'd just been reading a lot of, reading a lot of novels. So I just decided to try. That's, that is, sounds absolutely interesting. So anyone who's listened to Crime Wave more than a few times know that I have a fatal weakness for A, humor, B, learning something that I didn't already know, and C, for exotic or unusual settings. So clearly, Cheap Trills had me at the very beginning. I was hooked. This is the fourth outing. We'll get to some of the backstory in, in, a, in, a, in a bit, but it's the fourth outing for... May I call her Zany? Yes. Yes. Zany is a good word for her. Okay. It's a word that came to my mind when I was thinking about talking about it. Okay. Zany travel agent, Sid Redondo, and her assorted family, friends, ex-family, and her foes. So what happens to get cheap trills off to a rollicking start? Well, it, the book takes place in the aftermath of Eat, Pray, Love, where everyone has been reading that book and all her clients who are mostly senior citizens want to go to Bali. And she's trying to like nip that in the bud because she feels like it's too dangerous for them. There's three active volcanoes. There's no hospital, blah, 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 blah. And she's, her mother sneaks off um, and books an Eat, Pray, Love tour with a rival travel agent. And then of course winds up stranded in Bali. So Sid has to go and try to sort her out. Okay. Yeah. That, thank you. That was very succinct. Um, I, I I wrote something down. I'm going to actually read it because I'm going to expand just a little bit on this. If I read this blurb without knowing you or the book, I would have to read it. As it happens, I read it after I read your lovely book. After her mother sneaks off on an eat, pray, love tour to Bali that goes horribly wrong, Travel agent Sid Redondo must outwit a ring of songbird smugglers and take on a killer, all the while trying to keep three orphaned, endangered Bali starling chicks alive in her purse. Really? I mean, seriously, Wendell, it doesn't get any better than that. That was awesome. Um, so your books, leaving aside what happens and all the crazy things that happen to Sid and her family, her mother and her mother's friends, and the occasional hunky guys that she runs into while she's in Bali. Um, your books are part mystery, they're part adventure, and they're also part mad cat comedy, and part of a serious look at environmental issues and at the cruelty of, of animal smuggling. Um, let's start with Sid, though. Is there, is, it, is there a good story to where the character of Sid Redondo came from? Um, well, yeah, well, I, the whole series is very much inspired for me by movies like Romancing the Stone or Charade. So I wanted, you know, somebody who was not used to being on adventures like this. Um, but I honestly saw her. She just came into my head. There was this tiny woman in heels and a miniskirt with bracelets all the way up her arm. Um, 
standing in a jungle and a guy shows up with a machete and she just whacks him with the bracelets. And that was Sid and she was just arrived. So that's where she came from. And then I just decided she should be a travel agent so she could, you know, travel. But in the first book, she's never been anywhere but New Jersey. So. <laughs> well, how about if we focus on the settings now? Because um, that's a really big part of it. And I'm going to call settings plural. So let's go backwards. This is the fourth outing. First book, you whisk her off on an African safari. Second book, she's down under in Australia and Tasmania. Third book, she goes to London and Sheep Trills is set in Bali. Okay, number one question. Have you traveled to all of those locations? I have traveled to two of them and I'm not going to tell you which two. <laughs> oh no, come on. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, your atmosphere is extremely immersive. And let's see, how can I ask this question without, if you're really not going to disclose it? Um, no, okay. I think, no, I think an, in, I think an immersive setting is essential to telling a really good story. If you're going to have a setting that's not set in generic big city, then I really want to know where I am. One right. of the best compliments I got about my debut was, uh, um, a, a a, a reader said, uh, emailed to say that they read the book with their atlas on their hand so they right. could see where my where my character was going. And I really love that. But for the places that you didn't go, this is a question that comes up for me a lot. Um, what, um, what resources are you able to use to give yourself that immersive environment? Well, I think for me, I mean, you can always, it, it's better than ever that you can, you know, go on to video, travel blogs, and all sorts of stuff. But for me, I had to know at least two or three people who had been to the location so they could tell me what the smells were like. And they could give me kind of the lowdown of actually what it's like to be there. And I was very lucky in the two locations where I wasn't able to travel that I, I had three or four people who really were like unbelievable resources for me. I, and to me, if I don't know someone I can talk to about the place, I can't set it there. I can't do it with just books and that for me. Right. I think you, I think you miss a lot. And you mentioned, I think some of these, it more than the sites. And I think we, we, we default to sites if we don't know anything, but the, the smell, the feel, I don't know, the feel of the sea of mosquitoes landing on your arm when it, when the moisture gets so high and in, in, in place like that you really there is so much there's so much more to it um besides vacations in some of these exotic places was was there any specific research you needed to do to make your plots uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I want to ask about the animal piece, but let's talk about that too. Your obvious love of animals is a huge part of it and your concern for the environment. So did you have to research a bunch of that? That's what I really want to yes, ask. I, think. I did. And in fact, that's probably, that was the most important piece in terms of actually working out the plot because I'm doing a comic novel about a horribly serious subject, but I also have to make the, the plot the aspects of the plot have to still be realistic for that world, which is animal smuggling, animal poaching, animal parts, all of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And so, yeah, I did a lot of research and I had unbelievable help from first the um, Scotland Yards Wildlife Crime Prevention Team. They were the first people to help me. They were amazing. The Kenyan Wildlife Service helped me. Um, Fish and Wildlife Special Agents 
helped me when I first started out, which was just unbelievably great. And now I work on, on this book, I worked with two really vital people, Chris Shepard, who is the head of the Monitor Conservation Research Society. And he was in the bird markets in Bali and, and was the head of Southeast Asia's traffic for 20 years. And he was unbelievably helpful. And then <laughs> because I do have to keep the birds alive in the purse, I had to make sure that was even possible. And so I got help from the LA Zoo, from a woman named Lori Rogalski, who is the works in the Avian Conservation Center. And she actually raised two clutches of, uh, of Bali starlings. So they were all of that. I had to do a lot of work with them to get everything right. Well, I obviously do not know if you got anything right, but that was the, frankly, for me, the learning something I didn't know about peace. I love to experience that in a book. And um, honestly, for everyone who hasn't read Sheep Trills yet, the the uh, the scenes in the Bali bird market are just are just amazing. Then of course there's the Tupperware party too, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so um, you've you've described a lot of uh, at the very beginning, you described a lot of movie watching, and I I do find your um, your books highly visual, not only just visual. Um, so, what are some of the big influences on your writing, uh, which could be different from what you like to read? But what where where are you coming from? Um, I think probably the biggest influence on Sid Redondo from a book point of view is actually Mrs. Polifax. I really think that those books, Dorothy Gilmer's book, I love those books and I read them as a child in the Reader's Digest condensed, you know, versions that my parents had in the house. And and I'm sure that's where Sid's purse came from, no question. You know what I mean? So I think she's just like a younger version of Mrs. Polifax, but I loved those books. So I honestly think that's probably, in terms of books, the biggest influence on me possibly. But I also, with the animal stuff, I mean, Carl Hayes, I love him to pieces. So maybe those two and maybe a little Janet Ivanovich thrown in. Oh, yeah, very interesting melange there. And for any listener who's not aware of Mrs. Polifax, I'm the generation up who had the books that my children read. Um, Mrs. Polifax is a recent widow in, I want to say, New Jersey, and she decides to go to the CIA and see if anybody needs any help, and she ends up all over the world, and yes, I can see it now that you mentioned it, Wendell, it's perfect, it is absolutely perfect, um, ends up being incredibly resourceful in that um, kind of like Sid in that you never know exactly what she's going to come up with, but you know what, it's going to be something, right? Yeah, I love her. Um, well, are you um, are you writing anything new, Wendell? If you are, can you share a little bit about it? I can. I have um, I have a project that couldn't be more different than my Sid books, but it's it's set in 1901. It's based on a real attorney who represented a whole lot of women who um, were violent offenders, and I I call it even though this is not the right tone because it's a very heavy romantic thriller mystery, but um, I call it either Jagged Edge with Cravats or um, Downton Abbey meets Law and Order SVU. So, th so those are my two pictures. <laughs> but I've been working on it for 20 years. I, I, it was a script first and I've got a first draft of that. And I think I'm gonna try to clean that up before I jump into my next vid. So that's that's the plan at the moment. Wow, wow. That sounds really, in that sounds really interesting. Um, let's see. 
I think I've covered everything I wanted to ask you about. Was there anything about Sheep Trills that I did not mention that you want to share with the listening audience here? Well, I think that, I guess the thing for me is that I, the important thing for me about Sid in every place is that she learns to be respectful of the place and, and she's not naturally respectful. I mean, she is in a way, but she doesn't know enough to really be careful. And so I guess part of the thing that I want people to take away from the books is try to like leave these places the way they fa you found them and don't, you know, be careful of the animals. Like I said, the Bali Starling, there were only set, literally only seven of them in, wow. in the wild in the year that this book was written. And so those kind of environments, I think it's important to me that people understand that it's not just there for our tourism, that there's culture there and there are creatures there. And just to kind of have a sense of, I don't know, just to think about that instead of just landing somewhere with your suntan. Right. Yeah. right. And I think it's a real tribute to you and your writing that you can serve up a, a madcap comedy that takes a realistic look at some of these very, very serious issues. And it's still funny. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's a real relief to hear because you never, when you write comedy, you have no idea if it's funny to anyone but you ever, you know. I, I wouldn't ever dare to write comedy, frankly. Um, be, uh, before we go off the air, could you um, tell the listeners where you're most active online, where people can find you? Of course. Thanks. Um, yes, I'm on Facebook. I have an author page there, Sid Redondo Mysteries, Wendell Thomas. I am still on Twitter X. I know there, that's an issue, but I'm still there. And I'm at E. Wendell Thomas. And that's the same handle on Instagram. Those are the best places to find me. I don't do TikTok. Yeah. All the usual subjection. I don't do TikTok either, so there. Um, anyhow, it, it's it's a real pleasure. I do have such a soft spot for for humor, as I said, exotic places and really learning something. And I enjoyed Sheep Trills tremendously. Thanks for taking the time to come by today. And best wishes for um, the tremendous success, the lefty, the everything else. I hope that you have a wonderful success and that uh, you'll come back next time you've got a book coming out, it would be great. Thank you, Bonner, so much for having me. It's a delight to speak with you today. Bye-bye.